Welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is uh, a podcast that we do from time to time here at the studios of the Asgard Company and Starting Strength. And we are talking today to our friend and sometime associate in Kentucky, Brian F. Jones. And uh, Brian is a friend of the program. And uh, uh, I was talking to Brian about our hats earlier. So what I, back to what I was discussing, I'm thinking we ought to have some tactical hat patches for this little Velcro spot up here. Because all the rest of them that you can buy on Amazon imply that you were right. a special forces operator, and I'm not interested in, in that. But I think, Nick, I think we ought to do a barbell patch. Tactical just for a tactical hat that just has a picture of a barbell on it. What do you think? Or a barbell patch that says starting strength or a barbell patch that says come and lift it or, you know, kind of like a takeoff on the come and take it thing. Yeah, 40 bucks. Yeah, I think it's entry level 39.90. No, I'm talking about the patch. The patch. You think the patch is worth 40 bucks? Yeah. That's a $100 hat those guys at the shooting range are are you serious? A hundred dollar hat? Absolutely. You believe that shit? What's your hat worth, Brian? Uh, Three, four bucks? Yeah. 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 That, on a good right. day when it was new. All right. Well, I paid like nineteen ninety five for this one. And the reason I did that is, I know it's stupid, but uh, it cost them about $4. Yeah. But I just like the way it lays on the head. You know, it's not one of those farmer looking things that, you know, and at the same time, it's not one of these urban, you know, yeah. flat deals, you know, those are it, annoying it as well seven years to, get that to train that hat to look like that. He took a safety pin and just picked the edge of that hat. Yeah, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> yeah, you did. Or your pocket knife or something. Uh, they don't come this, like that. There, these, uh, no, doesn't, no, but I'll tell you what I'll do it is. Four different dogs as puppies chewing ah, on the brand. Dog treatment. Yeah, that's what it is. That's how I. That's how I uh, broke mine in. Yeah. Just dogs. Well, Roger Unint broke it in for you. All right. What dog is standing there? You got a dog right now? Um, Chloe, yeah, Chloe's right here. All right, pick Chloe up. Show everybody what Chloe looks like. <laughs> Chloe. <laughs> Look at Chloe. <laughs> yes, I know. You're a good girl. Something's wrong with Chloe's eyeballs. They're all bugged out. You see Rip? Look at her. Hi, Chloe. Hey, he's a good girl. Don't <laughs> 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 like to be rubbed on. All right. He's growling at you. Well, Brian, let's get to the actual discussion here that everybody wants to Everybody wants to know why in the hell we're talking to you today. Why don't you detail, you know, the, the short version of how you kind of got involved with uh, starting strength. Okay. Right. Um, I fell off a roof, broke my legs, lifted weights, and now I walk. How about that? That's pretty short. All right, see you guys next week. Bye now. <laughs> <laughs> that shortens up the interview quite a bit, doesn't it? Right. So, well, it gives it more time for you and Nick. Oh, Nick and I don't care about each other. That's, that, that's been dead a long time. So, uh, 
when you fell off the roof and broke your legs, what the hell were you doing on the roof? You're an insurance adjuster, right? Yeah. You yeah, were looking I for was, hail uh, damage and, and uh, the ladder fell out from underneath you and you landed on your feet and shattered right. everything below the knee on both legs. Yeah, yeah. And they told you, that, and I'm telling this story because it's faster if I do it, and they told you that you'll never walk again and get used to being in a wheelchair and that uh, your life is over and that uh, you were... Uh, you I'll know. have hardware. Had the, I'd had hardware inside both legs. They said that hardware would be there life. forever. Rest of your life. Wheelchair, uh, leg braces, walk with cane, if walk at all. Uh, just right. get used to your new life. And you said, hey, fuck this. Right? And you started doing something. And as a result, yep. what Brian did was discover firsthand a thing that Virtually no physical therapist and absolutely no orthopedic surgeon understands is that the strength or the stress recovery adaptation cycle applies to all organisms, including F. And, uh, and as a result, what's your best deadlift this year? Uh, Are you getting 600 yet or? Yeah, you yeah, pulled my six? best deadlift. Is, uh, you're cutting out on me, Rip. Did you pull six? Yes. Yeah, I pulled 615 has been my best deadlift. Right now I'm training in the low 500s. That's my, those are my work sets. Uh, do you go back to your wheelchair between sets? Uh, no, no, that, I've not seen the wheelchair for a while. I do keep the walker there in the gym to... Just to remind I, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, those of you that are terribly interested in this, we've got a pretty good write-up on the website about that. Uh, it's a big, long article that details this entire process. And some of you listening to this, this podcast either are in this position or know someone that has been told the same thing that Brian has. And... Uh, might find it interesting to read. That article is, uh, what was the name of that? What, what did we call that article, Nick? Do you remember? I think it was Barbell Training is Rehab. Barbell Training is Rehab, and uh, who wrote that up? Shoot. One of the coaches. Oh, Carl Shute wrote that for us. Yeah, Carl. Uh, go, so if you'll go to the articles section on the website and you look up authors, scroll down to the bottom of that column, you'll see authors, Carl Shute, S-C-H-U-D-T, German spelling, and uh, look that up under his, and this is a, it's a big long article, and it details this process. Uh, it's a much longer process than we have time to talk about here on the podcast, but those of you that are uh, in this position or know somebody that, that is, really need to, to rethink what you've been told about what you can do and what can happen when you, when you uh, just judiciously apply the same process to your situation that we apply to every novice trainee. You determine where you are right now, and then you go up a little bit every time. And what happens is that the adaptation to that increasing stress accumulates into 
a 615-pound deadlift for a man who was told he would never walk again. This is very important. And uh, we're all proud of Brian for having the balls to actually do this because most people don't. Most people receive a diagnosis, a prognosis like that, and they just lay down and accept it. And if you're not of the type of person to accept it, like Brian was not, then you can get the same thing done that he did, right? So what are you doing now, Brian? What are you, uh, uh, you've got like 19 kids now, and uh, Brian's very fertile. He's a, <laughs> he's, a, he's a fertile, powerful man. And uh, not only does he have 19 kids, he's got about 42 dogs, and you just saw one of his dogs, all right? Uh, Roger, of course, is the most famous of his dogs. Yeah, Roger is, is the is the pug, the foundation sire pug. Roger, the, come here. He's the foundation sire pug of the pug family. Hold on a sec. All right, we can wait on Roger. <laughs> Roger, look at Roger. Roger is a good boy too. Roger's got something wrong with his eyes too, doesn't he? Look at Roger. Roger wonders. Uh, why is Daddy holding me like this in front of this camera? <laughs> I would like to go back down and go back to bed. And <laughs> yes, it's Rogers. He, we need Roger shirts, don't you think, Nick? You have a Roger and Brian shirt. Yeah, well, I'll see. And, and, okay, and, right. and maybe have a picture like that and have the caption say, right, yeah, like that. Roger loves Brian, right? I think we sell a bunch of those. What's that green stuff on Roger's neck? Little laurel green? leaves or something like that? Oh, oh yeah, around here. Yeah, it was uh, Christmas, been Christmas time. So wreath. He had a, he, Roger he's got a wreath. wreath. Right. Around his neck. How old is Roger? Roger's four. Well, Roger's four. he'll be Roger's... around. Uh, you know, he'll be he'll outlive you. I'm sure you're not even yeah. supposed to be walking. So. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and then he's got 19 or 20 other pugs and then several mutts laying around and stuff. So, Brian, uh, what is the, uh, what is the upshot of the strength training deal for, let's get back to our central topic here. Uh, it is my impression, because I've been doing this for 40 years, it's my impression that, uh, our approach to rehab and our approach to people in a compromised situation uh, is underutilized and underappreciated by the vast majority of uh, medical types all over the world. Now we've got several physical therapists that are members of our little organization that regularly utilize our principles and have outstanding results, far better than that of their colleagues when, when they uh, take our approach to rehab. Uh, what, what has been the reaction to your situation from uh, the medical people that you've had contact with? Like your doctors, what do, what do they say when you wander into the office all big and strong, deadlifting 615 pounds, having been told that you weren't going to walk? What do they say? 
Well, it's it. I think it's more of an anomaly. You know, I, I think they view it a, a, as something that's not normal. That's not going to work for the uh, average person. Well, but what makes you not average? That's my uh, that's my point. Aside from the fact that you would do something against medical advice that that most other people just won't do, there's that they have to understand that the only unusual anomalous thing is that you were willing to do something that other people aren't willing to do. But my question is, is why won't they recommend what we know works? I think you, well, you, you mentioned one, one, one point. I think it's two, primarily two reasons. One is that they don't think that people will put in the work that needs to be the, the the tough work that needs to be done. But secondly, the 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 society that we're in now, the litigious society, I'm, they probably also think, well, hell, if I send someone out there and tell them to start deadlifting or squatting, the next thing I know, I'm going to be sued. Mal right. You know that kind of thing. I think that I think that's probably they don't think people will do it. And even if they did have somebody who would do it they're going to end up busting a spring and uh, suing me for it. So that's why I just kept my mouth shut. And they thought that my progress was all because of me rolling the soup can. They wanted me to roll on the floor with my foot and, <laughs> and pull, crunching a towel. They really thought that they were breaking they, ground. with. They uh, <laughs> were happy to attribute your progress to their recommendations, I suppose, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, when, yeah. Uh, when their recommendations were physiologically incapable of making anybody any better at doing anything. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, uh, I get frustrated at times with this whole situation. Uh, I've got a guy in here right now who was diagnosed a year and a half ago with stage four kidney cancer. And he was told the standard you have six months to live thing, get your affairs in order. And, uh, and uh, he's such a disorganized mess, I would have already had him on the podcast, but <laughs> he has his limitations. But, but one of the limitations that he did not have was that he understood that uh, when I told him that as long as you are not losing weight or gaining weight, and as long as your lifts are going up, then you're not dying of cancer. He understood Absolutely. that. He understood that. So what he did was uh, he finally shut up and asked, did what I asked him to do, and he's been, hell, he deadlifted four and a quarter for a set of five off the floor the other day. He still weighs 275, 280. And uh, he's been on like four rounds of chemo. And every round of chemo, his lesions get a little bit smaller on the CT. In fact, uh, today uh, he's having his, uh, his CT scan. He had it this morning, this morning that we're filming this. And uh, I should know something uh, either today or tomorrow about the, the size of the lesions that they're trying to follow on his lungs. And I think probably things are continually getting better. 
I mean, if chemo's gonna work, it's gonna work in a big, strong man that chemo doesn't kill uh, better than it is on a little frail person that uh, can hardly deal with the chemo. Uh, he's had uh, four rounds of chemo so far. He hasn't puked. He hasn't even thrown up. He hasn't missed a workout as a result of the chemotherapy. And this is, uh, this is pretty unusual, you know. But it, it goes right back to the fact that they told him to just take it easy. Just sit down. Take it easy. And he wouldn't do it. And we've had experience with lots of people that have been either in this particular situation with cancer or catastrophic injuries. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm reading right now the uh, uh, Strong Enough text. We're going to release that as an audio book here pretty soon. And I was reminded of Cardell's situation. Cardell, uh, out at work one day, uh, ruptured his patellar tendon, ruptured, completely ruptured his patellar tendon. And five months later, he was squatting 315 pounds below parallel because we rehabbed him. Uh, we rehabbed him, not the physical therapists. And uh, I know several people that have been in the same situation, had the same patellar tendon rupture, and they did what we told them to do, and they're squatting it. They're, they're you know, an injury that could have ended their ability to walk had they just laid down and let it heal. They rehabbed actively and they're fine. And uh, I'm, I get frustrated, I know you were frustrated at the time about being told over and over again to not try. And yeah. I, I just, uh, that, that, that sickens me. And that's one of the, you know, that's one of the things for me, Rip, that um, I know that I, I was fortunate enough to one, you know, of course, have my wife, Summer, who she wasn't she wasn't going to stand for none of the none of the bullshit as far as me wait, laying and wasting away, right, even if right. it can't have it. And then and then through whatever, re, you know, through whatever reasons you and I, our paths crossed. But I know that there's hundreds, probably hundreds of thousands of people out there that don't even have one person that support mm -hmm. them. And, you know, those are the folks that, that I want to continue trying to reach because I think I serve as a good example because back to like we were, what we were talking about earlier, the doctor's thinking, well, an average Joe isn't going to do it. I was, I was less than an average Joe. After having been in a hospital bed infirm for six months with no movement, my, I mean, you've seen the photos, you know, my, mm -hmm. even my calves, my lower legs were less, not even as big around as my wrists. You know, I mean, I was at, at zero, zero. Mm -hmm. And I started from zero to, to being able to move my legs five inches while I was laying in bed. And there's actually a section I think Carl has in that article that you know we called five inches to 500 pounds because right. I, I you know I ended up seeing moving five inches my foot five inches one day six inches the next day seven 
building that up that he quickly transitioned once I found out about the benefits of barbell training and then starting strength that the, the state that my body was in at that time of the natural way the body tries to, to heal itself, couple that with the stress adaptation recovery uh, that everyone it, is capable of everybody, doing. Exactly. That exactly. everyone is capable of doing. If they're told about it, if they're encouraged by somebody to do it, if they've got somebody to answer their questions about the particulars of how to do it, but more importantly, if they're told that everything can heal, everything can be made better, and that they owe it to themselves and their families to try. And this is the part that is lacking almost completely in the medical paradigm that the vast majority of people are shoved through in the process of being hurt this badly and trying to come out of it. They're, they're just told none of that. They're just told to expect the worst. And I understand that doctors don't want to be sued. So who do we blame, the lawyers or the doctors? I guess it depends on who you talk to, right? Whether yeah. you're talking to a lawyer or a doctor. Uh, all I know is that the fact that most people are being told this is responsible for the fact that most people don't understand that it doesn't have to be this way. And, uh, oh, Brian, I don't know that uh, you started from zero. You have a lot of advantages that uh, other people don't have. You've mentioned Summer, who for some reason is not divorced. You're <laughs> fat, lazy ass. I don't understand it. But she's a good woman, and she's still there. But you started there. You'll have to now. You'll have to admit that you've got bigger balls than lots of people. You know, a lot of people, the vast majority of people faced with your situation, would gladly just sit down because it doesn't hurt as much to sit there as it does to wobble over to the to the power clean at a <laughs> at a seminar. And, and listen to my obnoxious ass yell at him to attempt the power clean anyway, and that I didn't care if you fell down on the floor, you're going to do this. And then you did it. And a lot of people just walked away, but you didn't do that, did you? You went no. ahead and did the power clean. You trusted the loud, obnoxious guy to tell you that, in fact, everything was okay and you're not going to break. And you showed yourself you weren't going to break, but taking that, that's a giant jump off the fucking cliff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And we're, uh, yeah. you know, we're just happy that Brian's with us. Because if Brian was not with us, where would all these pugs live? <laughs> the, <laughs> what would we do with all these pugs everywhere? That's right. Oh, God on my. Brian, thanks for being on the podcast with us. We're proud of you, brother. I don't Thank say you, brother man. very often, do I, Nick? Nope. nope. Very seldom say it. I don't even like the term. But but Brian's our brother. Thanks I for being on. I appreciate it. We'll, we'll talk soon. Thank right. you for joining us on the podcast today. We'll talk soon, too. Bye.